Welcome to the How Coronavirus Saved My Life podcast. My name is Christine. I'm a mental health nurse practitioner who got coronavirus in April of 2020 and had long COVID symptoms for months. I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting better until I healed myself through unwinding my childhood conditioning. This is my story on how coronavirus saved my life and how I healed myself along with others sharing their own personal stories and how they are navigating through their own healing. How Coronavirus Saved My Life, Episode 37, The Gifts. The great Sufi mystic and poet Rumi said, don't get lost in your pain. Know that one day your pain will become your cure. For many years, I was lost in my pain lost in my suffering of being raised by broken people, lost in the suffering of being in a happy marriage, lost in the suffering of being burned out in healthcare until I had coronavirus. Between the acute coronavirus symptoms where I thought I was gonna die to the never ending long COVID symptoms, I was lost in my pain. I was lost in my suffering. Spirituality has been a huge part of my inner and outer healing, a huge part of my emotional healing, a huge part of my physical healing, a huge part of my marriage ending healing, a huge part of my abusive childhood healing, a huge part of my long COVID symptom healing. Spirituality has deepened my connection with my friends and family and my connection with clients. But most importantly, spirituality led me to discover my inner worthiness and love for myself I was never taught in childhood. Spirituality led me to me. The word spirituality means different things to different people, which in essence is spirituality. Evidence-based research shows integrating spirituality decreases anxiety and depression symptoms. According to Dr. Maya Spencer, neuroscientific research shows that with a practice of mindfulness, the brain's cortex literally grows with increasing gray matter and more gyrification. I did not realize the powerful impact of spirituality in my own healing and overall well-being until I listened and watched my next guest present on the integration of spirituality and psychotherapy. But before he introduced this topic, he told his own personal story of suffering, his own personal pain, his own marriage ending pain, not sure if he wanted to live any more pain. His story touched me so deeply as I knew that pain, that suffering, his emotionally raw story of suffering and how far he has come today show me just how far I've come in my own journey of healing. My guest today is Dr. Jack Perkins. Jack Perkins is the founder of Souk Education, Counseling, and Life Coaching Services in Fort Gibson, Oklahoma. Jack is an ordained minister, conference speaker, a licensed counselor, certified life coach, and a sexual addiction counselor. The purpose of today's episode is to explain how spirituality plays a positive role in mental health recovery and the importance of integrating spirituality into healthcare. Hi, Jack. Thank you so much for coming on my show today to discuss Thank the you. positive role in mental health recovery and the importance of integrating spirituality in healthcare. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, 
thank you so much for coming on my show. Your your story touched me so deeply. We were kind of talking about it before we we started recording. Um, you know, we all make assumptions and you know, I went to your session. I thought it'd be an interesting topic, you know, spirituality. I love spirituality. It's one of my favorite subjects. And when I saw you, I was like, oh, he looks like he has a great life, you know? And then when you started telling your own personal story, I was just crying so hard. Um, it just touched me so deeply. So before we get started on my favorite topic of spirituality, will you tell the listeners and the viewers about your story? Sure. I will basically share what I shared there at the symposium in, in Denver. Uh, and this is really a condensed version of my life story. But I grew up in Louisiana in a very rural area. We grew up, it was hard living in those days. And sometimes we, we learn things about ourselves and our families only later in life. Uh, for instance, uh, I was an older adult or a young adult, I guess I would say, before I really understood the concept of PTSD. Uh, I knew a part of my dad's story, but he never would tell me his story. In fact, he waited until he was close to 93 before he told anyone his story. But he was in a part of the Bataan Death March. And so, you know, I would hear strange noises at night. My mom and dad would never sleep in the bed, same bedroom together. Uh, my dad was harsh and he was hard. And I developed two controlling life scripts growing up. Uh, I was always a new kid on the block. block. You know, we changed schools about once every year. Uh, and I interpreted out of some things that my dad would say and do, uh, I interpreted two things about myself. I interpreted that I was unlovable. People couldn't love me. And I, I had a peculiar limp, and so I got bullied at school. And I didn't know that's what it was back then. And uh, I also interpreted that I was dumb and stupid and I would never amount to anything. And so growing up, I, I tried to, to cover that. I got into uh, sports and even some of the toughest uh, people that I went to school with, uh, they wouldn't fight me because they knew Jack was mean. And um, I stumbled along and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And I ended up uh, going to college for a semester, just floundering around. And uh, the draft for Vietnam was kicking up at that point. And so I dropped out of college and somehow I stumbled around and I got a job on the railroad as a locomotive engineer. I was the third youngest person that had ever been promoted to engineer in the United States. So I was cool. I was making a lot of money. I was the envy of all those people that had bullied me and looked down at me. Um, you know, I had a lot of stuff. I had the meanest, toughest four-wheel drive that had ever been in that part of the country. Uh, I tournament fished, and I had the fastest bass boat for a long time that had ever been on Toledo Bend down there in between Louisiana and Texas. And so, you know, life looked like it was going great but it really wasn't. Those little two life scripts kept working underneath in there. 
And then all of a sudden, for the second time in my life, I started having problems with my pancreas. I had had my first surgery on my pancreas when I was in the seventh grade. Never knew anything about that. My parents were not there emotionally growing up as a child. So here's this little seventh grader scared to death in the hospital. They're going to do uh, exploratory surgery. And my parents were not even there the night before surgery. I only showed up a few minutes before my surgery. And so here I am going through that horrible experience again in and out of the hospital. Um, life was falling apart in so many areas. Uh, so I'm off from work a lot due to my illness. Uh, this tough kind of guy was presented now as a, as a person that only weighed 130 pounds, uh, was jaundiced like you wouldn't believe, and it didn't have that that esteemed look that I had learned how to fake, and it was crumbling. My my marriage was uh, falling apart uh, as well, and one night my wife told me to get out and never come back, and I think she really meant that, and so my boat was still hooked up to my truck, and I just got in my truck and went to the lake, no intention to fish, and so I'm laying on the bottom of my boat in literally 100 feet of water. I had no buoyancy in my body. You drop me over into the water, and I just sink, and so I'm contemplating suicide. And I've learned that quite often when people are real serious about suicide, emotionally, they don't even have the, uh, the energy to go through with it. Uh, so I'm contemplating just easing over the side of the boat and, and ending it all. And then there was that still, quiet inner voice. Uh, it was not an audible voice, but it was just an internal voice uh, that was basically uh, trying to help me understand that my life could be put back together again, that my marriage could, uh, could survive through all that. And I got back in my truck, pulled my boat home, knocked on the door, not expecting my wife to let me come in. And I said, Janet, I know you think you're going to think that I'm telling you this just because I'm afraid of losing you. But I told her what happened. And I said, I believe that God can help us put our marriage back together. And um, so going forward, I, I ended up one day I was in the uh, doctor's office and he picked up the phone and called a doctor in Houston, Texas. And I heard him say to that doctor, they wanted me to wait a month before having one of those attacks before they'd get me over there. But they were coming and going more often than a month. Uh, I've just two and three times a month, a lot of times in the hospital. Um, so, you know, I already had this addiction to alcohol going on in my life. And then with the medical stuff going on, I mean, they, they hit me with pain meds like you wouldn't believe. So I'm sitting in the doctor's office and he's talking with a doctor in Houston. And he says, if you don't get this guy over there, his death is going to be on your hands. Mm -hmm. And so later when I came back home, a lot of my friends said, Jack, we didn't think you'd come back alive. 
And so the night before surgery, the doctor came in and he put his finger on my pelvic bone on one side and followed the rib cage down to the other side and said, that's the type of incision that I'm going to make. And we're convinced that you have a malignant tumor in your pancreas. And the best case scenario is that we'll take out two thirds of your pancreas. Well, that, that, that morning they came in and the medication that they gave me would have probably put most people to sleep. Uh, but I was awake and as they were taking me to the holding room uh, for surgery, uh, I was on the elevator and there were uh, two staff members standing there and I just was laying there with my eyes closed and I kept hearing them talk about how peaceful I was and they just couldn't, you know, making that kind of conversation. And then while they were preparing me for surgery, uh, I heard the same dialogue, not right in front of me, but as they would walk out of the area where I was at. And I can honestly say that never in my life have I ever experienced the kind of, of inner peace. Uh, jokingly, I've often said it's almost like I'd like to go back through that painful part of my life again just to experience the kind of peace and hope and strength that I found going through that situation. That's the short version. Ugh, your your story is so powerful from beginning to end. I just, I love it. Like I said, like we all make assumptions about when we look at someone, you know, just someone walking by, we can make assumptions and, uh, you know, I just, you just never know what people are going through. And I love that, that peace, like that is definitely you, you're, you have this very peaceful aura. And what was interesting about your story is in the beginning, you were talking about, you know, you were trying to fight that almost peaceful aura, right? Like show, you know, that you're tough and all these things. And it was like your God body soul was like, no, you are peace. You are literally walking peace. You know, I love that so much. Thank you so much for sharing that story. It's just, it's one of those stories where I just, I'm going to be thinking about for days, <laughs> you know, it's just, there's so many things to it and so many things I can relate my, myself and having those like moments, like you said, I, I love what you said. You said, I almost wish I could go back through that. And man, I totally agree. I was thinking about that a few days ago. Like it's almost kind of boring. <laughs> like you're like where, you know, you have all these like huge emotional shifts, you know, when you start running towards that suffering and when you start facing it head on and listening to your intuition and you have huge shifts and it's, uh, yeah, it's like, I'm like, I haven't had one of those in a while, you know? And so, um, you know, but that's, that's speaks a lot of our own, our own personal healing. So I just love that. So I think that the it's important for us to begin the episode with talking about like actually defining the word spirituality, because that, like I was saying, like it means different things to different people. How do you define spirituality? Okay. Well, quite often, you know, used to when you go into a bookstore and you would ask about spirituality, they would point you over to a religion section. Uh -huh. uh, and, and so there's always been that 
that tension between uh, spirituality and, and religion. And so it even today is when a lot of us bring up the word spirituality, a lot of people, even though they might not verbalize it, you can tell they're thinking of religion. So I think we have to put those two out there to, together. So just in a general term, spirituality is more of a characteristic of who we are. Mm. It's part of who we are. While religion is more of a social or an organizational phenomenon, you know, and so some would define religion as an organized system of beliefs and practices, rituals and symbols, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that, that serve to uh, create this closeness to the sacred or the transcendent. People would use terms like God, higher power, ultimate truth, reality. And so it gives us an understanding of our relationship uh, with uh, the transcendent and with others in that particular uh, community that we may be associating with. Uh, spirituality is more of a personal quest for understanding answers to those big ultimate questions. I remember one day, we one night, we were uh, in Louisiana, we used to hunt. I don't hunt anymore. And um, so there again, uh, I had one of the best sets of hunting dogs you could imagine. And we, we just love to just take them out for the fun of it, just to listen to them run and everything. And one night we lost them. And so I had driven us up to the top of the hill so that we could listen for them. And it was, it was quiet. You, you couldn't hear anything. And all of a sudden, one of my friends just broke the silence. He said, just imagine. He's right there. And um, I'm not sure that we wanted to stay there very long, but it was uh, that experience that I think opened the door for me when I was going through all that painful stuff with my illness and everything uh, to, to realize that, that there, there is a source for answering those ultimate questions of life. What, what if I die? Because, you know, if you hear those words, take out two thirds of your pancreas malignant tumor, you know what that means. The prognosis is not very good. But, you know, I remember telling uh, a real good friend that came over to be with my wife. I asked my wife when I was getting ready for surgery, I asked her to uh, step out of the room. My mother-in-law was there. And, and I told a friend, I said, you know, if, if I go into that operating room knowing that I'm not going to come out alive, I want you to know that, that I'm okay. And the only regret that I would have is knowing that I've left my wife and my young daughter behind after I've messed up their life the way I have. Mm, so, so spirituality is more of that connect with uh, the, the, the transcendent. So I think that's Im important. Um, a good definition is Bryn Brown defines spirituality this way. Spirituality is recognizing and celebrating that we're intricately connected to each other by a power greater than all of us and that our connection to that power and to, the one, and to one another is grounded in love 
and compassion. So practicing spirituality brings a sense of perspective, a sense of meaning and purpose in our lives. Uh, the primary role that I've had as a counselor, uh, I retired from the Department of Health and Substance Abuse Services, and I worked in a residential facility for women. And when we admitted uh, one of the women, we knew one thing. She was coming in with some major, major trauma. And I could tell you story after story after story uh, of the trauma. And one of the things that I would often talk about, uh, I would share and say, you know, we can't get over those experiences. We can only find meaning through those experiences. So, um, you, you know, spirituality is not just something that a goal that we attain to. It is not just a treatment outcome that we can make prognosis about. Uh, prognosis, prognosis about. It, it's not something that we earn because of who we are or what we do. Uh, uh, Jacqueline Small says it's the very essence of who we are. She says spirituality is the dynamic internal force that propels us toward becoming more pure-hearted and, and whole. And it's a matter of getting in touch with that, that internal aspect. Uh, so I think if, if we had a good understanding of, of religion, that the religion would start from that, that internal and then kind of like me sharing my story, it, it would help other people understand uh, instead of prescribing that, Jack, if you do this and this and this and this and this, you're going to have a great sense of peace. You're going to have a miracle because interestingly, um, when I came to that morning after my surgery, uh, I could feel just a scar, I mean, a, a bandage here, and then I could feel one over to the side. And I thought, uh oh, he didn't do the incision that he was going to make. So he must have just opened me up and closed me back up. So I just, I could hear my wife and her friend talking across the room, but I just laid there with my eyes closed. Well, when the doctor came in later, he told me that he changed his mind. I mean, he was a teaching surgeon and he changed his mind and instead of making the incision he had planned on making he just made one parallel uh to the one that i had uh, when i was in the seventh grade and they didn't take any of my pancreas out uh, he found a cyst that had encapsulated three stones so you know some would call that a, a miracle I think the miracle was just me really being in touch with that, that inner spiritual quality that, that helped me through all of those experiences. And, um, and I, you, you talked about the, the calm, you know, I was the only male counselor in a residential facility for women. And, um, I think one of the things that, that helped was that, was that, that calmness I didn't get. I didn't get bent out of shape. I, I didn't awfulize, you know, 
I always just had that sense of hope. It doesn't matter what your story is, that you can find uh, meaning through that. So there's this whole concept, I think, of spiritual development. Uh, and I think that's more important than just coming up with a hard definition of religion or spirituality. Uh, it's this awareness or this awakening that begins to happen. Uh, it's that interconnecting and, and belonging. Uh, you know, as I went through that experience, um, well, I'll illustrate it this way. I have a real good friend that I graduated with, and uh, he's had a lung transplant. Now he's in the ICU, and I haven't seen him probably for 20, 30 years. Uh, a lot of my classmates, we've just moved away. And he's in ICU in Baylor. And it's just amazing how all of my classmates has just connected. And there's the language of, of prayer and hope and, and all those kinds of things. And I, I shared with, uh, with his sister, I said, I hope you're able to share with him some of the comments people are making on, on Facebook because I think that can be powerful for him to have that sense of interconnecting with people that uh, care about him, think a lot about him. So then it's, it's going forward in spiritual development. It means that we're living this integrated life where, you know, it's not like we have our secular life and then we go to church on Sunday or whatever it may be or the, uh, the light to go meditate or whatever, but it's a, it's an integrated, integrated life where in all of life, there's that spiritual dimension that's, that's at work in my life. Does that kind of help in yes. looking yes. at those terms? Yes. Yes. I, um, I love that. It is an integration. It's not just like healing. There's many paths to healing and many parts of healing. It's not just one thing is not just the medication, you know, it's not just counseling, it's daily work, but I love that. Yes. Spirituality integration. Um, I love, and I love that you touched upon religion and, and that, uh, before my dad died, um, you know, he had gone, started going to church, um, the last couple of years of his life. And one thing he told me before he died, he said, he regretted that he never took me to church. And I told him I was very thankful for that because I was able to explore on my own, like Buddhism, you know, a, a white Baptist church, an all black Pentecostal church. Like I have been a seeker since uh, I was a teenager. I, I started with asking the question, how do people become happy? Because I was so unhappy at home. And the first person I approached was my friend, Heather. And I, she always is smiling. And I said, Heather, how are you so happy? You know, and she said, I go to church. She took me to church and I was something, they were really nice. They weren't mean to me, like my parents, you know? And so, but there was something that just didn't quite click with me. I, at the time I couldn't describe it was authenticity. I didn't feel like they were authentic, but then a friend of mine, Kendra took me to her church, my first, first all black church. And that was the first time I ever felt love and safety and so, and how ironic, because my dad was racist and screamed the N-word my whole life. And I witnessed injustice on a daily basis. So it was how ironic, right? 
But in his last years, you know, he said he regretted that he didn't take me to church. And I said, no, thank you, because I've been able to explore on my own. I haven't had that influence, you know, of that conditioning of religion and things like that, that can happen in cultures and communities and races. And so I'm very happy that I explore, you know, all different cultures and religions. I have lots of questions about it, but I remember before he died, I had a question. I asked him, do you believe God is a noun or a verb? And he said, it's a noun. And I said, well, I believe dad that God is a verb. And I said, God is love. And we all have love inside of us. So we all have God inside of us and we're all connected through love. That is consciousness like that was. And he was like, hmm, <laughs> you know, and so I, you know, I read one time that religion is following man and spirituality is following yourself. And uh, it's so interesting because I most I feel like most of my life has been this external you know, seeking validation from whatever, whoever, whatever the thing is. And, and like you said, like on paper, it looked like you had everything, like you were living these like dual, this dual story going on. And it was so true because on paper, you know, a few years ago, like she's got it all. She's a nurse practitioner. She's got a beautiful home. She's married. She's got a daughter. She's got a pool. Look at her. Little did they know I was so unhappy. I was suffering unsatisfied and could never figure I just thought I was supposed to live in frustration the rest of my life until I had coronavirus and having a pivotal moment in my backyard where I thought I was going to die and so that was my huge shift and and really going inward for the first time and listening to my body listening to my intuition and then you know nature wow nature that's a lot where my spiritual journey has been with nature you know what are the birds doing you know i remember one time somebody at work said i was asking about i started meditating and i was asking about spirit guides and she i said do you meditate to, i didn't even know what a spirit guide was okay and she said, I asked her, do you meditate to see your spirit guides? And she said, I don't know nothing about meditating with spirit guides. She goes, I've been seeing them my whole life, you know? And she said, anytime I find a feather, that means that I'm on the right path. It's, it's a message from beyond. And I was like, okay. And that night I had an Amazon package at my doorstep. I opened the door and there was a perfect mockingbird feather at my doorstep. <laughs> And so ever since then, I have found feathers. And anytime I tell someone the story, they always find a feather within a day or two. And so we are all truly connected, you know? So I, I love that. I love, thank you so much for defining spirituality, because I think also too, on the reverse end of it is that people who are in their religion think that spirituality means I don't believe in God or I'm not honoring my parents or I'm not honoring the word or the Bible or whatever it is, you know, there can be, or maybe it's messing with a Ouija board. You know what I mean? So everybody sort of has their own assumptions about what spirituality yeah. is. So I love the way you define that. That is just absolutely beautiful. You know, uh, the presentation that you referred to the integration of spirituality and psychotherapy i've done that a number of times at different conferences and um and just the dialogue that happens out of that uh, but one of the ones that really stands out in my mind there was a man that had attended the presentation in denver 
and uh, we connected a little bit and we ended up in the same workshop uh, together. And I made a comment to someone and all of a sudden he got my attention, the guy that had attended my presentation. And he was like, we got to talk, we got to talk. And so we ended up connecting after that, just kicked back. And he brought up something very profound. I, I think that he had had maybe some negative experiences with religious folks or something along that line. But he, he, he talked about how that a lot of people have the language of spirituality, but they don't have the experience. Mm, 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 and and, and I, I, I think that if you just take churches, I think there's a lot of people uh, in churches that have the language, but I've watched them fall apart when they would have coronavirus or when they'd have, yes, uh, you, know, yes. you know, the language doesn't fit the experience. And I think that that is so important for us to understand. So if, if I could say it, maybe one of the disadvantages of uh, being a, starting out with some kind of organized form of, of spirituality, more the religious side of it, is that we miss out on the, uh, the experiential dimension where maybe if we are in the middle of a crisis and, and there's someone that has had a genuine experience of spirituality kind of holds our hand uh, through that journey uh, it's like we we get it. We don't have to be taught it. We get it. But then words allow us to share with other people that experience that we have. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I I love that experience. Yeah. That's that is hitting the nail. Like that is so true. And I can imagine people who have grown up in a religious household and maybe those people they were raised the broken people you know were these religious people and it's hard to lean on something that's presented by the people that are abusing you you know what i mean and so mm -hmm. i can imagine that there's so much uh just hard to unwind that and separate that from people that you know are abusing you or whatever or not are not you know they're not walking the walk they're talking the talk and not walking the walk you know and so that can be super confusing, you know, growing up in childhood and things like that. So I love that. The experience, Ugh, I'm going to use that from now on the, what the, the experience, I love it. Yeah. Thank you to all the listeners of how coronavirus saved my life podcast. If you want to know more about me and hear crazy family stories, hop on over to the podcast I make with my sister. It's called The Family Burrito. My sister, Jessie, and I made the podcast after our dad died in March of 2021. We did it as a way to heal our childhood wounds. Now we are healing and now we're having a good time. So if you want to hear more stories, crazy sense of humor, and get to know my personality a little bit better, hop on over to The Family Burrito anywhere you get your podcast streaming.